You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. It has been an eventful weekend, not necessarily the best one for the Indians, but we will go in-depth on this Twins weekend series. We'll talk about lineup construction, pitcher usage, and after that, we will uh, we'll spend the We'll see how much time the first half takes. Depending on that, in the second half, we'll be looking into the upcoming schedule for the Indians, the next series, and the upcoming schedule for the Twins, kind of looking at, um, while the Indians lost ground in this series, how it's not as terrible as people are feeling right now, and to also discuss um, how the Indians still have a big chance to uh, gain ground in the month of July. So the first thing, let's start on a positive. Uh, Carlos Santana has no home run uh, uh, issues. The you know there's kind of the curse of the home run derby that players end up uh, struggling or they sell out for power and then they can't hit for any in the second half. Can we just officially put that in the books? The Indians win today's game uh, mostly on the back of Carlos Santana's home run. Yes, a lot of players did a lot of things to get the Indians to win, but after a bit of a a soul-crushing top of the seventh for him to come out and hit his 21st and the bottom of the seventh was huge. Um, MVP of the game. If you just look at his whole performance, one for two. That huge home run, two walks as well. And, uh, you know, he had another RBI in there. Or another run in there, I'm sorry, from one of those walks. So, you know, hits the game winner. Scores a run earlier, reaches base three out of four times. Um, he's just, he is the the guy for the Indians this year. He is the team MVP, and I don't think there is even a, a should be a competition. He should be the unanimous team MVP. So let's just start off with a heaping mound of applause for uh, Carlos Santana and what he has continued to do this year for the Indians. We'll dive into these games one by one now. Um, we'll end on the best note and uh, kind of go through. So the first game, Santana comes out, hits a home run. Clevenger, six strikeouts, uh, just that one earned run over five innings. Nick Goody, uh, not great. Oliver Perez, not great. Clippard, not great. A.J. Cole, all right. Clippard uh, ran into more problems in this series, and this is kind of the problem with the Indians' pen. It's not a lot of guys who have a consistent track record of recent success. It's... Um, when you put together a group of kind of uh, glue and tape, uh, occasionally some of those guys aren't going to keep it together, and we'll have to watch Clippard because he struggled throughout this series. So the pen stunk. Um, you put this one fully on the pen, the bullpen. But when you look at the lineup, Jason Kipnis is the cleanup hitter. Wait, what? Again, I will give Kipnis credit where credit's due. He's been playing better than I expected. But he should still be hitting no better than sixth in this lineup, and he's your cleanup hitter. Yes, I'm pausing for effect. Ramirez at fifth is still an issue. Bradley at sixth is an issue. We'll get into him. You know, that first game, over three with a strikeout. Uh, Bowers struggled. Perez is hitting eighth, who's arguably the number three hitter on this team. No. No, no, no. You're hurting yourself. You're setting back your lineup. It is bad roster construction. I had some people get mad at me and call me names on Twitter because I said that Tito is a bad game day manager. I'll go into why I made that statement, but uh, this is part of it. This is a badly constructed lineup. 
There's no other way to put it. This is not an optimal performing lineup. This is not the lineup you want for production and to make your team better. This is not a lineup to help you win, period. It is a lineup that is vet-heavy, reliant on players that he he has known the longest, the players he likes, and it is not a lineup to help you win. So we'll continue on. Uh, again, bullpen's the LVP in this game, but your offense also had some struggles. Just six hits. You'd have liked to have seen the bullpen keep him off the board, but three runs is not ideal. Game two. This is the one that... Uh, I had some concerns about, and Bauer just continues to be a home run machine this year. Um, three home runs. I mean, everyone's heard of the Max Kepler story and how Kepler is just uh, making Bauer his, you can come up with your your own finisher there. Jose Ramirez gets his eighth home run of the year. The power's starting to come. That's three in the month of July after five in the previous month. Bobby Bradley finally gets his first home run. Um, great for him. It went really far. That's what he is. He's a big, strong guy. But it is, again, he's a one-tool player. Uh, the offense was crap in this one. Five hits, two runs, both on the home run. Uh, Jake Odorizzi shut them down. The bullpen did their part. Um, the Indians were never really in this game. Uh, just to go into the Trevor Bauer stuff a little more. Bauer has given up 20 home runs so far this year. His career high in a season is 23. So that, uh, I'm sorry, or is it 25? I need to, 25. So he's got a very good chance to uh, to crush that, uh, crush that previous high. Um, a year ago, he had the lowest home run rate per nine in baseball. That is definitely not the case this year. His hit rate is a little higher this year. His walk rate is a little higher this year. And his strikeout rate is lower. Um... He's also hit the most batters in baseball, and he has faced the most batters, and he has pitched the most innings. Not ideal, uh, especially if it's someone they might look to trade. Um, Tito is, you know, using him probably too much. Um, Should be going to his pen a little more often. He is still a good pitcher. Uh, Maybe not a great pitcher, not a top. He's pitching more like a number two than a number one. Last year he was a number one. This year he's more of a number two. Let's put it that way. But uh, And if you thought, wow, does he lead baseball in home runs? The answer would be no amongst pitchers. He's actually tied for ninth. Uh, Justin Verlander, with 26 home runs given up, leads baseball. Um, Verlander has an ERA under three, and that's just because no one is hitting the ball against him. But when they do, it seems they're hitting it hard. Uh, His batting average against is extremely low. OPS is very low, but uh, he is home run prone. So when you get to Verlander, you get to him hard. The next few guys up, Mike Leake, Ronaldo Lopez, Ivan Nova, Chris uh, Straley, I'm sorry, Dan Straley, Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, David Hess. Those are all the guys who have more home runs this year, but it's been a struggle. Bauer and uh, Verlander are really the only guys on that list having strong seasons amongst the uh, the high ones. Bauer is tied with J.A. Happ, who has been a, a big disappointment for the Yankees. Hugh uh, Darvish tied, also disappointed. Garrett Cole has also been successful in spite of it. Jack Flattery with St. Louis, uh, Matt Strom in San Diego, and Jake Junis with Kansas City. So it is uh, not a strong, not a great group. Uh, Cole, Verlander, and Bauer are really the only ones who have managed to find success in spite of those numbers. So today's game, um, again, horrible lineup construction. 
Lindor leadoff, that's fine. Kipnis batting two. Now, any advanced stat person will tell you number two is the most important place in the lineup. Uh, I get you're giving Mercado a day off. Put Naquin there. Put, uh, I mean, Santana there. <laughs> Don't put Jason Kipnis there. That's that's pretty bad. Uh, Santana three is fine. Four, Bobby Bradley. One walk, three strikeouts. Again, I, it's great. He hit a home run last night, but he is not, he should never be hitting outside of the bottom of the order. He is too strikeout prone. He hasn't made enough contact. One home run. Tito refuses to trust Roberto Perez, Naquin, Greg Allen, Jake Bowers, all these guys he won't move out of the bottom of the lineup, and he's putting Bobby Bradley fourth already? I mean, it's just, it's dumb. It is dumb. It is a move that makes zero sense. Okay, so he hit one home run. That's his one hit in this series, and he's played every single game. He is hitting 195 with a 267 on base and a 390 slugging. He has been a bad hitter since he was called up, home run or not. He is not doing what you need a hitter to do, which is not make outs. So to put him in the fourth spot is just dumb. Uh, it's horrible lineup construction, which is, this is such an important series. And uh, Tito was managed uh, circles around in this one. Uh, the lineup was horrible. So we can get into the the inning of issues where so many fans were wanting to defend what happened and so mad about the seventh. So let's just get into it. So it's the seventh inning. You should probably already have um, someone up. And if a pitcher runs into any struggles, you want to look to get the player out. Erez walked. Okay, you're probably going to let him face someone else. The Garver hit by a pitch was BS. We'll just leave it at that and move on. Or no, I'm sorry. I need to look up uh, the exact. One of them was actually all right. Let me pull that one up. So yes, Garver's... um, I, this is from uh, Burning Rubber Baseball. I trust Joe. He did the research here, and it was kind of what I thought too. So I saw this confirming it that he actually dug into it, that the uh, Garver was a bad call. And yes, that is a bad call. But at that point, you have a pitcher who's walked someone and is close enough to the player that, uh, you know, did he, a bad call or not, look like he hit him. He gives up a single. So we're at a walk, questionable hit by pitch, but at least someone who's not commanding his pitch is a single. And he's still in the game. That's enough. We're going to leave him in so he gets another single. Wait, what? That's four straight guys to reach base. And he's in the seventh and uh, over 100 pitches. Now let's leave him in to hit Cave, which um, by the rules does count as a hit by pitch. Uh, that was that was the correct call. Um, leaving your pitcher in there in the seventh inning is, again, bad managing. So uh, he does then strike out Shoop. And they bring in Perez, and Perez, uh, uh, Kepler is able to get to him and uh, tie the game up. But it should have never gotten that far. He should not have been in the game at that point. And that's just, um, if they had lost this game, I would have put it, again, strictly on Tito's shoulders. Yes, there is a bad call in the seventh. But at the end of the day, he mismanaged the lineup and the pitcher. And, uh, yeah, I'm having serious questions, doubts, and issues about Tito Francona as the Indians manager. If you're a company and you want to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast. You can get your company connected with this audience by emailing at locked at lockedonpodcast.com to get more details about increasing your business. So if you'd like to hear me reading your ads and the, uh, the whole Cleveland uh, sports scene is on the Locked On podcasts, so you could uh, you could be advertised across Indians, Cavs, and Browns, then remember, contact at locked at 
at Locked On Podcasts. Also, when you are driving to work, working out, going around town, uh, going for a run, remember you can tell your smart device to play Locked On Indians, and we will be right there with you for the duration. Okay, and we are back. So we talked about this series. I kind of went off on uh, Tito, which might cost me a listener or two because he is well-loved. But uh, he's just not adjusting to the times. And if you remember last year, the frustrations with the uh, Houston being much, uh, having a better analytical take by someone like Clevenger um, and Bauer. And you wonder if that's the coaching staff being more advanced there. And if you look at it, like the pitchers are going to Bauer for help. They're not going to the coaching staff. That, that's a red flag. So uh, if you hate that, I'm sorry. Uh, one note. Former friend, Leonis Martin, you might have missed it today, uh, signed a one-year deal to go over play with the Chipolata Mariners of the JPL. So when the Indians let him go, he uh, couldn't even find a job <laughs> with any other team. And I wish him the best of success over in Japan. I really do. That's not me being smarmy. Uh, he's overcome a lot. Uh, it just didn't work out. So let's talk about some schedule stuff for the second half of the show because this is important. So the Indians with their uh, win today, uh, they lose one game in the standings from the All-Star break. It's, again, not ideal, but they're six and a half back instead of being uh, seven and a half back. Or no, they would have been, what, eight and a half back if they lost today? Because it would have been a, no, seven and a half. Uh, Long day. Sorry, people. And in terms of the wild card right now, the Indians are still tied for that second spot, barely above Oakland. Um, holding holding court, Oakland won their last three in a row. So the Twins have tomorrow off, then they have a two-gamer against the Mets. Um, that sets up well for them, in all honesty, because the Mets just are not good. They are a dumpster fire. The Indians, on the other side of things, have a four-game series against the Tigers, which is even better for the Indians. Uh, after the Tigers, I've talked about before, the Indian schedule, after this twin series, it is an easy schedule. Let's go for it. Tigers, really bad. Kansas City, really bad for three. Toronto, really bad for three. Kansas City, really bad for four. So from now until Tuesday, July 30th, the Indians face three teams um, for a total of what eight, 14 games. They have 14 games in a row against teams who are going to be uh, a good chance of having a top five pick in next year's draft. If you're curious, I just pulled it up. The Tigers, if the draft, uh, if the season ended today, the Tigers would be picking second, the Royals third, and the Blue Jays fourth. And that's who the Indians have in the next 14 games against. Um, even a team like the Mets, who uh, the Twins have, would be picking seventh. So they're not quite that bad. But uh, the, the point stands, the Indians are facing this outside of this twin series in here a ridiculously easy part of the schedule they really need to get this lead down to within three now who do the twins face after they get done with that short game series against the mets they go out to face oakland for four we've already discussed oakland is right on the indians heels and have just won three straight then they have to go face the new york yankees who currently have the second best record in baseball and are half a game behind the uh Los Angeles uh, Dodgers for that. After that, they then go against the White Sox, who have been around 500, uh, still a better team, much better team than anyone the Indians are going to face in this strange stretch. And then it gets easier for them. Uh, they get Miami, who has the fifth worst record at the end of the month when the Indians get the Astros. And then they get Kansas City. 
and the first week in August is Atlanta, who is a tough matchup for them. And if, if you're curious about the Indians, they get the Angels, who will have to see what happens there. It's um, a tragic situation, but it is um, it's just a tragic situation. Uh, it's a team that is playing well. But yeah, the Indians go Angels, te- uh, Rangers into a four-game twin series up in Minnesota that starts Tuesday, August 8th, which is going to be of huge importance. Uh, and they follow that up with the brutal part of their schedule because it's, I mean, again, the Angels into the Rangers, into the Twins, into the Red Sox, into the Yankees. And then they get uh, another nice little respite with the Mets, Royals, Tigers before Tampa, Chicago, Minnesota, Los Angeles, Minnesota. So, yeah, it's uh, this is where they have to gain ground because it's going to get tough coming up. Uh, August is not kind to the Indians. Um, it's interesting because, you know, they really gained ground by beating up on bad teams. They're going to have a chance to gain more ground before beating up on bad teams, and I don't know what they're going to do um, as we approach the playoffs at this point. You know, I've... I've pointed out the Indians, uh, you know, Kipnis also on top of being a below league average bat, like, you know, I'm, I'm giving him praise, faint praise at previous podcasts because he's approaching league average. You know, he also had that booted ball today. Second base is really an area that could look to be improved. Let's be honest. So could third, so could left field. Um, we'll see how the bullpen continues to come together. Um, but my general feel at this point is the pieces are there. Um, we'll see when Kluber comes back. Salazar is, is starting to get those higher level um, in the minor starts. Carrasco insists he's going to pitch this year. We'll see. Um, well, you know, there's, there's a lot of a lot of players who could still come back. And, I mean, my general view at this point, it's funny because the national media still wants to give so much praise to Tito, whereas... Anyone who is a local person who is smart and paying attention sees that he is not his lineup construction and the way he uses that pen are both well below some of the smartest managers in baseball. There's a reason why they're uh, below their expected win totals at this point to this year. So uh, things are set up. Tigers. Should we just go through real quickly before uh, the end of the show? Uh, tomorrow's matchup is Adam Plutko versus Daniel Norris. No one is listed on the Tuesday one. I assume we will see Zach Plesak get a call-up and some kind of roster move that corresponds with that. Um, I don't know who will go for the Tigers. Clevenger versus Trumbull. That is an interesting matchup, uh, seeing if Clevenger can continue to build on his starts. And I said Trumbull. I meant to say Turnbull. Turnbull has been a, uh, a really solid mid-rotation arm for the Tigers this year. I don't think they'll trade him, but he is. Uh, it's definitely something worth watching because a healthy Fulmer plus Turnbull plus Boyd, they've got the start of a rotation there. And then uh, the Thursday game is Bauer versus Boyd. Uh, probably the two pitchers that will be most talked about as we approach the deadline. So that is a game that you're going to hear about all the scouts that are in attendance because there's a general feel that both of those pitchers could be moved. They're facing each other. Uh, that is going to be one that is going to have many scouts in the house for. And Boyd had a really bad June, so it'll be interesting to see if he can rebound. Um, Tigers fans kind of want the sun and the moon for him, but uh, at this point, his value is slightly below that. He's still a valuable player. He's still owed um, 
still has multiple years of team control. He's entering arbitration for the first time. Uh, he's always had good numbers in the minors, but uh, we're finally starting to see some success. So that is kind of the game I'm circling on this week's schedule is kind of the one that stands out for a multitude of reasons for most interesting. Thank you all for listening, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Remember, you can uh, find us on all of the ways you would listen to a podcast, Locked On Indians. Um, rating, reviewing, subscribing, that is so helpful to us. And as always, go Tribe.